Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, what a surprise, I'm drinking another Black Cherry White Claw. What do you have, Del? I am drinking a daiquiri, and we would like to start this 50-episode special by first thanking our listeners for joining us on this journey. We have looked at cases ranging from missing persons to corrupted officials to conspiracies and dove into how these cases reflect a wider pattern in society. We're going to start by answering some frequently asked questions and providing updates on past episodes. So Jenny, what has been your favorite cases? Some of my favorites were the Misty Copsey case and Johnny Gosh Misty because I don't really hear people talk about her very often. So it was really exciting for me to share what I think is a really awful missing persons case. And Johnny Gosh, kind of similar, um, another missing persons case where it's just egregious police work. And Johnny Gosh is like one of our most popular episodes. So that was really cool to see a case that I'm particularly passionate about get a lot of feedback and interest. What about you? So definitely one of my favorite cases is the Johnny Gosh case. It was just one of those things where it seemed like the perfect storm for something to go wrong and then for it not to be solved afterwards. And then you had um, his mom, Um, who is such an interesting character. And he also had his dad, which is interesting in a different way, a more nefarious way. So that case was really compelling to me. And the other one is John JonBenet Ramsey. It was our very first case. And it was one that I was already very familiar with. And in doing more research into it, my interest in it just rose because it seemed like all the theories were possible but you knew that they contradicted each other, so they both couldn't be correct. And cases like that are always the most compelling for me to both research and talk about. So what do you think were the most interesting cases to research? So Jeffrey Epstein is definitely up there. His case had so many twists and turns, and you didn't know what people were going to become involved in it and how they interacted with Jeffrey Epstein and his associate, Grizzlane. So it was just like... How is it possible that the most powerful people are all connected to this one monster? And how Jeffrey Epstein was able to have all these connections, his relationship with Bill Gates and Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew, so many people that you might think that hmm, they're in something nefarious, but you wouldn't really put it all together that it was to this extent. And then you had the added element of his money and the fact that he was a billionaire without there being any evidence that he ever held any significant job. So yeah, it was really interesting to research his case, including his death, which is still very suspicious. What were the most interesting cases for you? Jeffrey Epstein is a good one. I think for me, at least, it really was like a rabbit hole. There's just so much information and he lived such a storied, layered life and like everywhere he went just like terrible things happened and it was really 
interesting to peel back the layers. But one of my favorites to research was the Natalie Wood case. Going into it, I kind of thought like, maybe not that I knew everything about it, but I thought I was pretty familiar with it. And I really wasn't. I didn't know Natalie's backstory with her mom and how she was such an awful stage parent. I didn't know she was so scared of water. I didn't know that her and Robert Wagner were set up by their respective movie studios either. And I didn't know that there were so many rumors about him being gay. And, you know, that was maybe a reason why the two had been set up. So that was all pretty interesting. I think that's one of our best cases as well. I remember feeling really proud of us afterward. So I think our interest really came through. Oh my gosh, to talk about celebrities, which we say all the time, but I love celebrity culture so much. It's such a, you know, nostalgic kind of thing for me. Which cases were the most disturbing to research? So I'm going to pick a case that we haven't recorded yet, but we've been starting to research and that's the Khalif Browder case. I don't think I've cried from frustration researching something until then. It's one of those cases where it just makes me so frustrated with our systems, with our justice system, the prison system, bail, all of the above. I feel like everything that could have gone wrong for this poor guy did go wrong. I don't want his death to be in vain, but it's so awful that he had to die and I guess we haven't really learned our lessons as a country since then. You know, it's one of those cases where you just feel so fed up with the world researching it and it feels like nothing can ever get better. What uh, stood out to you as the most disturbing? I think for me, it was the Bianca Devins case. It was just one of those things where being someone who is definitely on the internet a lot definitely is someone who's always reading forums it's just always strange to me when the cruelty of the internet comes out like it did in this case just to recap Bianca Devins was killed by someone that she was acquainted with and after her death the incel community on the internet celebrated it And going through that forum and reading some of the posts that was on there was honestly very disgusting. And it was one thing where I was fairly familiar with like what an incel was and that there was a community, but I never engaged with it like I did when I was researching the Bianca Devins case. And so when I did, you just read these posts of people who are really quite frankly terminally online and have no real sense of how to interact with other people and what acceptable behavior is. So going on a little bit of a more positive route, what cases are you most looking forward to that we're going to be covering in the near future? So I am definitely looking forward to the Dr. Kevorkian case and looking at the case of Mary Kay Laternal. I'm familiar with both of these cases. I can remember them being some of the earliest true crime cases that I remember. And so I definitely am looking forward to going back as an adult and looking at these cases and looking at how they reflect something that is going on in society and looking at what were the long-term effects of their crime. How about you? Mary Kay is definitely um, a case like no other that we've covered yet. So that'll be an interesting one. I'm really excited about the Salem witch trials. We're going to kind of do like a Halloween special with that. So look out for that soon. 
I have been to Salem before and when I was in high school we studied a lot about the Salem witch trials and I got kind of into it and I'm very now into witchy spooky supernatural things so that'll be exciting. I'm also looking forward to covering the case of Lavina Johnson. I don't think her case is covered as much as it should be and when I had first heard about it I was just absolutely shocked and disgusted. It's a little bit of a different case. We haven't talked too much about the army. A harder one, I'm sure, to research and talk about, but I think her name really needs to get out there more. And like the name implies, corruption has been a big part of this podcast and the cases that we look into. What is the most egregious case of corruption you think we've covered? I think the thalidomide disaster is really awful. The German company that created the drug knew what was going on at a certain point that there were birth defects from it and they did absolutely nothing and the aftermath they weren't paying people properly they weren't really getting enough stipends to cover their losses and the special needs that they had in their lives for anyone that doesn't remember thalidomide was a drug that a lot of pregnant women in i think the 50s took um for morning sickness and then it ended up causing birth defects in tons of children something that i always think about and i tell people about is when we covered the mitrace richardson case and we talked about our friends at the LAPD, the LA County Sheriff's Office. And we mentioned how someone had taken a helicopter for a joyride. And I still can't believe that. Just like the level of not caring and knowing that you're going to get away with something is like off the wall. I've never seen something like that. And I know we joke about it still. So I, I had to share it again, if not just for a little laugh for everyone. Yeah, the LAPD and the LA Sheriff's Office has definitely been the most frequent actor of corruption that we've talked about. We don't go in saying, okay, we want to talk about the LAPD and this is another case of their corruption is we pick a case and it just so happens that this is also a case of their corruption and it just keeps building and building. I think one of the most egregious cases of corruption that we've covered are the cops from the Dahmer case and how they completely ignored the physical signs of duress that Conorak was displaying simply because he was a minority and because he was not able to communicate. And the cops also completely ignored the two African-American women that were telling them, like, we know this boy, he does not have a relationship with Jeffrey Dahmer, and the cops just didn't care. And they are directly responsible for Conorak's death because they could have stepped in. They could have did a wellness check, but they didn't. And then later on, they were like, we need to wash this homosexuality off of us. So not only were they displaying racism, they were also displaying homophobia and there was no consequences for them at all. It's just a disgusting case of corruption and negligence. It is really disgusting. And what makes me angry about it too is that I really think that would still happen today. So we've talked about a few different all-stars, uh, people that we either really don't like or really like on this podcast. But Del, who's your favorite 
person in a positive way that we've discussed on the pod? So definitely Rob Tibbetts comes up. He was the father of Molly Tibbetts, who unfortunately was murdered by Christian Rivera. He just showed so much strength and compassion. And he was someone who stood up and was like, do not try to politicize my daughter's death. The person responsible for my daughter's death is her murderer. And he was very firm in that and very clear on that. And I definitely appreciate that. How about you? I have to say Noreen Gosh. I think she's such an amazing person. For anyone that doesn't remember or didn't listen to the Johnny Gosh case yet, Noreen knew right from the start that something was wrong. She knew her son was in danger and no one took her seriously. No public officials, at least, took her seriously. And it was to the point where police, and I think even the FBI, were calling her crazy. They called her a loon. I can't imagine what that must feel like as a mother, especially knowing that you've got so much information. And Paul Benassi aside, there were how many people that said that they saw weird things happening that day that Johnny was taken? People saw a stranger talking to him. People saw like weird cars in the area and nothing was properly investigated. So she always had to stand on her own to fight for her son. And she was really vilified for it. And I think it's despicable. She really, I think, has taken a lot of stuff in stride and really tried to make the best of her situation to protect others. And I think she does a really good job at that. And I would love to meet her. Now we wanted to share a little bit more of information about ourselves and our process with the podcast. So how would you say that you pick cases, Del? So I definitely start with cases that I find interesting and use that as a jumping off point to cases that I think people may want to listen to. How about you? Pretty much the same. I tend to pick cases that I'm interested in, cases I'm familiar with. Sometimes though, um, we have a case coming up on the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Sometimes I'll just pick things because I want to learn. And for example, Jimmy Hoffa was a case I wanted to learn about. I had heard a lot um, about him, but I never really knew who he was other than people thought that he was buried under Giant Stadium. And it was pretty interesting. I didn't really know that much about the mafia or unions beforehand. So yeah, sometimes I just like to learn. If there was was any true crime case you could have all of the answers to what would that be and why so that would definitely have to be the case of db cooper i have been fascinated with this case since the moment i heard about it and every time i go back and i look at stuff related to the case or read about it again i just get even more interested in trying to figure out exactly who he was, what were his motives, what type of planning went into it. And of course, where did he end up? Is he dead? Is he alive? We really just don't know. How about you? If I could only pick one, I would pick the Yuba County Five, who we talked a little bit about on our Diet Love Pass episode. The Yuba County Five is basically the American Diet Love Pass, people say. For anyone that doesn't know about the Yuba County Five, they were a group of five young men with intellectual disabilities that were missing in Yuba County, California for a few months. And then at the end of the winter, the bodies of four of them were found in really a strange place far away from their car. They were in really bad condition. And 
no one knows why they went up there, how they got where they got, and where the fifth person is. And a lot of people think the fifth person either just died um, and they never found his body. He was, you know, lost to the elements. But some people think that he led the group he was with up there to purposefully kill them. So I would just be interested in knowing what happened. Like we have an idea of what could have happened, but why did they go up there in the first place? Why did they go through like snowy mountain to get where they did? That like I don't understand. And then there's elements with like this pregnant lady that asked for help or something like no one really knows what led them up there and what really happened afterward either so Dell and I met at work we used to share an office together and we just found out we loved true crime I remember there was specifically one day I had been listening to a podcast about John Benet Ramsey and I went into Dell's section of the office and I was like Dell what do you think happened and we talked for like I don't know, an hour, 45 minutes about our theories on John Bonet and other crimes. So we just realized we had this mutual interest. And then I don't know, I think it was maybe me that was like, it would be fun to start a podcast. And we just did it. We, I guess we're a little bored, had some more time on our hands with quarantine and staying indoors with the pandemic. And I'm glad we did. Like, I think it takes a lot of guts to do this, put yourself out there and to talk about stuff that is pretty difficult and can be controversial. Um, So I'm glad we did it. Obviously, we have a true crime podcast. We both love true crime. Is there anything that you think got you into true crime? So definitely television was a big medium for me in getting into true crime. I remember watching American Justice and City Confidential on A&E as well as Unsolved Mysteries and all the different Law and Orders. And I was so fascinated with the different cases, especially those cases that were for Law and Order based on a true story. And I remember, you know, I would watch something and then I would go log on to AOL and research the case because, like, I just wanted to learn all the different details that they weren't able to include in their different episodes. Lifetime movies were also a big factor for me getting into true crime. I remember watching so many different Lifetime movies that were based on true stories that had a true crime element. And so I definitely got into true crime that way. I was watching CSI when I was like eight years old, but I remember watching, I think it was like a John Bonet special or like an Elizabeth Smart special. And I was terrified. When I was a kid, I was so scared of getting kidnapped. In college, when I started listening to Serial, I was hooked like immediately. I think a lot of people got into true crime because of Serial, but it also really got me into podcasts. That was the first podcast I had ever listened to. And I think it's a really good podcast. If you haven't, um, definitely check it out. What are some of your favorite true crime shows, documentaries, or movies? Shout out to Dateline in 2020, because I think that they're also things that got me into true crime. I love The Staircase. I would recommend that to most people. I will say it's very long, but it really takes a look at the point of view of a defense team. And I don't think you get to see that a lot in cases. The Keepers is also like a really great Netflix documentary. The Jinx I love. That's such a wild case. I watched that on a flight 
And I love Unsolved Mysteries. I have really been watching the old series a lot and it's my favorite thing in the world. We covered Lou Pearlman and how he scammed the Backstreet Boys and and NSYNC. Lance Bass has a documentary on YouTube called The Boy Band Scam and that really helped me research for this episode and it was so fascinating and very entertaining. What about you, Del? What are some of your favorites? So I am also a big fan of the Unsolved Mysteries. Also, really anything on ID Discovery, but especially Deadly Women and Fatal Encounter. BuzzFeed Unsolved definitely inspired me to explore certain cases, and I think that that show is just so entertaining. I really like true crime documentaries. Some of my favorites were There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane and also the movies The Perfect Husband, The Lacey Peterson Story, All-American Girl, The Mary Kate Laternal Story, and The Michelle Brown Story. To switch gears a little bit, so we've talked about cases that were difficult or disturbing. True crime can be a really heavy subject to talk about. So Del, is there anything that you do to handle the heaviness and sometimes brutal details of cases? One of the most important things is knowing when I'm in the right headspace to write, record, and edit episodes. I already know when I'm having an already pretty downer of a day. The last thing I'm going to want to do is write about sexual assault, kidnapping, and murder. How about you? Definitely agree about being in the right headspace to write and research. I like to take a lot of break and only work like really when I'm ready or motivated. Sometimes the heaviness can be a good motivation where you're just so frustrated with something you know, like you can't stop writing or can't stop researching. But I try to really respect my limits. I like to watch different videos on YouTube or some upbeat music. We're going to talk about some podcasts that we like outside of our own. And I definitely like to listen to those comedy podcasts. They're the easiest thing, I think, to make me feel comforted and in a better mood like immediately. So going off of that, what are some of your interests outside of true crime, Del? I'm definitely someone who... It's really easy for me to pick up interests and hobbies, but I would say the ones that have stuck with me the longest has been watching wrestling, playing video games, um, watching anime, watching MMA. I love watching them or playing the games just to relax. It's always been fun. It's definitely a lifelong passion of mine. How about you? We have to go to a wrestling match or show sometime soon. I can't wait. We'll report back to everyone when it finally happens. I really like cooking. I think that it can be definitely stressful, but I often use it as like a stress reliever. It's nice to just be able to focus on one thing, one task in front of you, and then to have a physical reward at the end is really cool. I really like yoga too. I guess that's also maybe another way that I stay grounded. I hang out with my dog. He's in the room right now as I'm recording. He's our mascot. And just like hanging out with my friends. I can, I don't always need to be doing something with my friends. I can just sit down with them and have, you know, a conversation about literally anything for three hours. And then I'm like fully recharged and ready to go and live life. 
cocktails is in our podcast name. So how, Del, do you pick your drinks for the episodes? I guess I'll answer this first. I don't really have a process for this. Sometimes I try to theme it. Like I think I had a Moscow Mule for our Day at Love Pass like Russian episode, but really I just kind of drink what's near me and what I want. Yeah, I don't have a super special process when thinking about what drinks I want to accompany an episode. I look at, okay, is there a general theme of the episode that a drink could be associated with? And finally, we love podcasts. I listen to podcasts probably every single day. Some of the podcasts I really like are Doughboys. They're probably my favorite podcast and they're one of the comedy podcasts that can really just bring a smile to my face. They review chain restaurants. They're hilarious. I love podcasts. The Ride. I love RuPaul's Drag Race. So I listen to a few different Drag Race related podcasts. All Right, Mary and Race Chaser. Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer is really, really good. It's, it's funny, but I feel like you also get a lot of advice in it as well, which is cool. And recently, been loving Lay Do You Remember This because it's all about that celebrity culture of the 2000s, everything from like the Ashley Simpson show to the hills it's all of the feuds the drama and it's just like so much fun to reminisce on what do you like to listen to outside of crime corruption and cocktails so I definitely have a shorter list I definitely always try to make sure that I listen to flagrant 2 with Andrew Sork and the Joe Rogan experience Um, I also listen to a lot of political podcasts, definitely ranging on the left and the right. And I think one of the main things is I definitely am more likely to listen to a podcast that has a either comedic element or a political element to it. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Let us know in the comments what has been your favorite case and what cases you would like to see us cover in the future. You can find out how to support us in the links below. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode focused on the deaths of the Hart family children at the hands of their adoptive parents. As always, stay safe. (laughs) 